I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 244. Here's a Boo Crew fright fact. In 2019's Midsommar, the character Mark shows an intense phobia of ticks, which is based on Ari Aster's real-life fear of bugs. Like Mark, Ari wore two pairs of socks over his jeans to make sure he wouldn't get any bug bites. This time around, you're joined by drummer Ben Thatcher, one half of the multi-award-winning platinum-selling rock band Royal Blood. We get into the creative process behind their stunning new album, Typhoons, available everywhere now. The cinema of the band's music, Ben's first horror movie experience, the feeling of being backed by a full orchestra at Abbey Road Studios, playing a live show on the Roblox platform, and so much more. Episode 244 starts now. Hey, this is Ben Thatcher of Royal Blood, and you are listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. I had Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is one of the most inventive and exciting drummers in music today. He's one half of the band that released their debut single, Out of the Black, in 2013 that set off a chain reaction that was legendary. Armed with the unique architecture of building an immersive wall of sound from a setup consisting of just two people and massive grooves that almost sounded alien, just two months later, they were most deservingly nominated for the BBC Sound of 2014. Their self-titled album became one of the fastest-selling British rock releases ever, and they collected multiple awards, including Best Live Band, Best New Band, Honors from Brit and Kerrang!, follow-up, How Do We Get So Dark, it went straight to the top of the Billboard charts, debuting at number one in the UK. In September of 2020, they unveiled Trouble's Coming, a four-on-the-floor evil disco rock song that gleefully pounded away at what the world had been accustomed to hearing in music and was a perfect master of ceremonies to announce their new collection of tracks known as Typhoons, praised as their best work to date, countless reviews highlighting the spirit of imagination and reinvention baked into it there for us all to be inspired and to enjoy as they have handed it over to us to create our own memories with. We are honored to welcome Ben Thatcher from Royal Blood. Yeah! Yeah. Do you know what? I would love to wake up to you saying that to me like every morning. It would be a great way to start the day. You'd feel so confident. <laughs> Deservingly so, man. Yeah. So, again, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time yes. to hang. Congrats on this latest thrilling chapter that is really just the beginning. So, first off, as part of this bloody disgusting network, which means that as well as being passionate fans of music, we're also big into film, particularly the horror genre. And there's definitely been bloodshed in the visuals of Royal Blood going back to the video for Troubles Coming and Figure It Out and the gore fest that is out of the black that you guys did with the Super Jail folks. Just to start it off, what is the first horror film that you ever remember seeing? Um... I think it was Jeepers Creepers or something along those lines. It was, um, or What Lies Beneath. They're like this, the same kind of time. 
And Jeepers Creepers, I remember scaring the shit out of me because in like it's the un the unknown is what scares me and the and as soon as you see you know the monster in Jeepers Creepers, you're like, oh it's ruined it now. I'm not what well, that's not scary. It's but when it's when there's nothing going on, you just and weird shit's going on is when it freaks me out. Talking about that cinematic quality and not knowing what's going to come next, getting into this new album, Typhoons, the music is painted with really broad cinematic strokes and it makes these songs very dense and really expansive through the details that you guys put into it, whether it's like the interesting sonics and the transitions in Boilermaker or the flourishes that you do in Who Need Friends. How caught up do you get into the world building of these songs and what kind of experience do you aim to create with that? It's yeah, we can get right into this and it could like with the sonics and the little delicate things that we put into it, it just it keeps us up at night. And it's also things that when you're thinking about them and you can't sleep, you think people are not gonna even care or or hear this. And so why is it getting to me so much? Like if I just remember like an open hi-hat being in the wrong place and being like, only I would care about that happening. And I would, I'll be the only one that hears that and get really angry at it. But yeah, for, for the music and, you know, putting that all together, it's so, we have to battle off being so particular and so, what's the word? Like anal, I guess about what or about what we're doing because as soon as you you could go so far and then you've totally lost the creative aspect and because uh, it's good to get those details right but also it's good to work at a pace and, and and not care about those things as well so you're kind of fighting with yourself did the pandemic make that worse since you had more time to think about stuff? Yeah, actually, it was quite strange because we had a record that we were recording in March when we then had to go into a lockdown and we had this, yeah, we just had to go home. And then there's this strange period of time when, um, which you would not, not normally get while recording a record because we would have come out of the other if we had stayed in the studio we would have come out with this you know the record that we had planned to but then you when in lockdown we were just listening to what we had recorded and then because there was nothing else to do just wrote another four tracks which were typhoons mad visions oblivion and limbo and all of a sudden we've totally changed the direction of the album when we were allowed to go back into the studio and yeah so yeah we had this weird moment of reflection and kind of shifting what was what, what we're doing for the most part this album was self-produced when you talk about those details and the flourishes and laboring and thinking about this stuff all the time how do you know when you're done when a song is finally put to bed and you're like okay i think you know what we can't revisit it anymore. I think it's when, I, I don't know, there's a, just a moment when you know and it and it feels just good and it's, 
yeah, you, you, I think with being in a two piece, you know, if something's missing and you know, and we're both chasing for the same thing and for the same result. And so as soon as we get that result, we both know, and we're, yeah, we're, we're both happy with it. Yeah. Working with Josh Hami, uh, what was that process like and what did you learn from collaborating with them? Yeah. I mean, Josh is a great, a great friend first and we got to tour with them, um, the Queens and Stone Age, uh, a lot the year, I think it was 2018, 17. I don't know what year it is now. So um, anyway, um, yeah, we were, we were lucky enough to go on tour with them and came really close with them. And obviously Queens of Stone Age, are, they're one of our favorite bands and we're inspired by them. And we're inspired by Josh and how he um, he records, how he produces. And it was quite an organic thing. We just thought, why not go and go in with Josh? And this was way, but this was yeah, way back in January 2019. And we we didn't have any songs really. We had the, we had Boilermaker, like the the skeletons of Boilermaker, and. We just thought, why not go and do it with Josh? And yeah, so the process was amazing. And being in the studio with him and him, his his production and producer role in the studio is so just so much fun. And there's there's no rules, and he kind of lets you do what you do and chips in with ideas. And yeah, it's it's just a a brilliant process. Diving into the cinematic nature of Royal Blood's song structure, that was something that was really elevated through a very special performance of Limbo that you guys did with a 16-piece orchestra at Abbey Road Studios and a breathtaking moment in the history of the band. And we got to be honest, that gave us chills. It makes you feel every nuance of that song in a visceral way. How did it feel for you sitting there in the midst of it all? And did that experience change you in any way? Uh, it was incredible. I mean, just going into the Abbey Road Studio 2 is, is a vibe. You know, when you walk in, you can feel the history of that place and you can, you know, I've watched so many documentaries and so much footage of the Beatles in there. And, and um, yeah, so that in itself is overwhelming. And having the piano that, you know, Lady Madonna's played on and, and all of that going on. And then, and then a string orchestra turns up and the sound that they make in that room is yeah, it gives you chills. Um, it was a great story, actually. Um, th- we did, we've done another song in Abbey Road. We did the last track, All We Have Is Now. All We Have Is Now is obviously a song that has no drums. I don't play on it. It's just, it was just Mike and a piano. And we thought it would be a great opportunity to, you know, have the strings doing their thing around it and make it quite, you know, it's an amazing moment. When your numbers call and it's time. 
I remember when they were recording it and Mike's in the middle of the room playing the, the Beatles piano and it's all going off and he finishes it and he's like, Ben, it's your turn to come and play the piano. I don't obviously play the piano at all. I just, I just walked up just joking around and I sat down at the piano and all, all the string orchestras all around me. And I, I was thinking what would be funny to play and I remember at school, I learned, um, you know, the snowman, the theme, the walking in the air. Yeah. yeah that song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just, so I just started playing that and then everyone just started joining in. And honestly, it was like, the, the, I even got it now. Like it was the chills go down your body when everyone just starts playing. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and yeah. Walk, so walking in the air was a, uh, Amazing moment, right. Abbey Road. Wow, so is there funny. footage of that? I want to see it. There, will, there is, yeah, it's there is footage somewhere. I'll I'll make sure you guys see it. But um, honestly, I think it's the best thing I've done musically. <laughs> <laughs> nice. People have commented. Nice. People have commented that that uh, orchestrated limbo video and said, "Man, I want to hear Royal Blood do." A James Bond theme. I want to hear Royal yeah. Blood score a film. Would that be something that you would love to get into one day? Uh, I think the James Bond theme is why we created a band. We're like that is our goal. That's my goal as a fan. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Now wanted to take yeah. wanted to take Limbo for instance, just as a song. It's got the sheen of this interstellar rock disco anthem, but there are insane things going on inside of those parameters, including this aggressive and chaotic percussive attack that you bring to it. Take us a bit under the hood of that song in particular in terms of how that one was written and produced. Yeah. So that one, um, we were in isolation and Mike was doing stuff and he had, um, he put two drum beats together on a computer like just to jam along to and he started writing the verse of limbo and then just sent it over to me and was like what do you think of this and i was like yeah it's really cool it's really interesting and obviously him not being a drummer he has no idea what he's put together right there you know (laughs) and so when it comes to when we were allowed to be in the room together and i started jamming this i was like this is actually impossible to play. And it was, but it's fun for me because I'm trying to work out how I could emulate this impossible beat. And that's how you humanize and you get really creative. And that's how the, yeah, the, it's a humanized version of that beat is the, uh, the verse. And then it comes into this euphoric disco chorus, which is just so, for me, when I get to that bit, I'm just like, oh, whew. you know, because it's quite easy. It's just four to the floor because the other bits are mad. But yeah, we got to like the end of that song and uh, end of the second chorus. And we're like, what happens to this song now? Like, what? where should we go with it? And we had never gone and done something, you know, we, it comes up this massive build up and just constantly thumping. And then it goes down to this, like, just this, like, subby thing. We're like, it's like being outside of a club almost. And like that, that filter. And it was just something that was just really creative and something that we'd never done before. And thought it'd be, you know, great to end the song 
with this mad outro. The Boo Crew will be right back. My name is Dr. Terror. You are cordially invited to meet your fate at Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. There are some who doubt my existence. My motion picture tells you about five who did doubt, but don't anymore. They didn't believe, they couldn't believe that a creeping vine could strangle and kill, that a disembodied hand could live and avenge. They laughed at the voodoo god of death. They sneered at werewolves. They scoffed at vampires. They laugh no more. They live no more. Come, come join me in Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Don't miss Dr. Terror's House of Horrors in Technicolor from Paramount Pictures. Coming soon to this theater. Is the electronic element something that tends to live in the post-production process for you guys and replaces and augments, or is it something that happens very early often in the writing stage? Um, for this record, it kind of happened as it, we went along. And we, because we're essentially a rock band, it's, we, we're very careful of how much we put into those kind of sounds into our music. But I think we, during the process of writing this record, we, we found that these things that we were kind of almost scared of putting in our music, we found them quite liberating and rule-breaking for us, you know, because we're, we're thinking like, what, we're not thinking of like, oh, the fans are going to hate this. We're thinking of it's, it's going to really challenge some rock fans which is great, I think, and some people are going to love it. And so, yeah, with those electronic things, yeah, it's about using them as tastefully as we can and using them as a um, to boost our sounds and boost the production more than a distract from it, I think. Another thing that has been very fun to see during this new era of Royal Blood is the introduction of these spectacular remixes that this new sound has afforded you. And Limbo has a Sebastian mix and the Purple Disco Machine did your first one for Troubles Coming. What does it feel like to hear something you were so close to pulled apart and approached from a place that you might never have thought of? Great. I think um, I love hearing people's take on our music. And I think both those tunes really lend themselves to being remixed and and they're just fun songs to, you know, to ch- change up and um, play around with. I want to say in March, our nine-year-old son, who is also a drummer, came running with his iPad to us going, I'm going to a Royal Blood concert. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was so 
freaking excited. Oh my God. It was an, an event for him. Roblox. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he is now like the biggest Royal Blood fan because of Roblox. And you guys Amazing. did like a three song live virtual set. And didn't you guys debut Limbo on there? I have. Yes, I think we did. I have no idea what was going on. I was kind of just going with it. I have no idea what Roblox was, but man, we, op- we opened up to this like world that I hadn't, this underground world that kids love that I have no idea what is going on. I don't understand it now. We played a gig, you know, on it, but, but yeah, it's, it's just great. It's a, an audience that would never really listen to Royal blood. And all of a sudden we can inspire or, yeah, inspire kids to to write music and uh, be a be on a Roblox gig. It's crazy. He like there's YouTube videos of like his player jumping yeah, up and down <laughs> to the concert, and he's so excited. Look, I was there. Like, this is so weird to me. Yeah, it is definitely weird. Yeah, I remember. I remember having a meeting with the Roblox guys, and they were kind of explaining what what goes on, and. Um, they were talking about the the merch that you can do, and all of a sudden, my my creative like energy just went mad because I was like, so, just thinking about what you can actually do because it's not merch, it's like not this kind of stuff. You can have wings, you can have like a a fire hat, <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, exactly. I was just like, oh my gosh, and I was just writing lists of things that we should have in, in our merch thing. And uh, yeah, like drumsticks, but they're wands. They have like, it's great. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Virtual merch. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? It's crazy. And we had to pay for all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these, so these days, you know, speaking of things like Roblox is the way we kind of communicate and share music and discover music is evolving. How important, I'm curious, is is radio still to you guys in terms of success? Does it move the needle as much as it used to? I think it does. I think right now, I, I think there was a moment with radio where streaming and everything was obviously taking over and it was the way of listening to music. But I think when you're in your car, you know, you're there's a lot of commuters and a lot of um, people that just, you know, the radio just comes on. And now we have like a, in, in the UK, it's very different to American radio. You, uh, it's because you have the alternative and then you have stations just for like rock and, you know, all of this thing going on. And I, I don't understand it to be honest, because in England we have radio one, two, three, and then Kerrang like Radio or Absolute or whatever. But Radio 1 is the one that you want to, you know, be on because it's number one. Um, so, but yeah, I think, I think there's so many different things like podcasts and TikToks and things to wait to discover music. And yeah, you kind of have to just roll with it, don't you? If you don't, then you get left behind. Yeah, you really do, right? Aside from releasing this fantastic new album, Typhoons, during this long pause, did that spark new ideas for your live shows? What can the audience and your your fans expect 
at your live shows this time around? I don't remember what a live show's like, to be honest. Um, I haven't played one in so long. But our band is based on live music, and we, we, we write these records to play them live and be with all our fans and go mad. And so I don't think when we're writing the the music that we're thinking of that what's going to happen on stage at that point. I think that's a, a post thing. And that's when you extend songs or parts because there, you know, there might be moments where you can really create a, a massive tension if you just um, do that. But yeah, right now we're thinking, because we don't know when we're going to be able to play a show. We've got some things planned, but still over here, it's a bit mad. It's um, We're meant to be playing a show, I think, on the day the government might open up again. But it's so um, we're so unsure, which is difficult to plan and obviously and all that stuff. But, yeah, I think we just can't wait to go and start playing these songs. And, yeah, we're going to come obviously come back bigger and and better when we do these live shows and playing massive venues next year. And yeah, we just can't wait. As much as it's about rehearsing the songs, how much thought goes into the choreography of the other duties that these particular collection of songs will awaken, like triggering different electronic elements and different sonics on stage on something like, you know, million and one and things like that of that nature. How much thought goes into like everything that's happening at every moment? Yeah, a, a lot. I mean, with it, we took two singers with us on our last record because there was a lot, a lot more um, BVs that we couldn't do, and we and also we want to give a great live show and but for it to be live, so no computers doing things, no, so everything that you hear on our stage is human people doing doing it. So, but to do that, we need some help. And like Million and One, for instance, there's a lot of arpeggios and keys parts. So we've got our mate, Darren, who is going to come on the road with us and do that. And we're going to have still have two singers. And I'm doing a lot of triggering of, you know, electronic things as well. So, yeah, it's, it's full on. It's exciting, man. As we come to the end here, just a couple of song-specific things. I know Boilermaker has been around, you know, very early in the conception of this album, but is is one of my favorite tracks that you guys have ever done. It's got such a fucking cool bounce to it. Where were you when you guys came up with that riff? Mike was with one of our mates called Tommy just in his room, I think. And Tommy was showing him some beats and some things and the skeleton of Boilermaker beat. And Mike started just riffing over the top of it. And they, they just showed me that. I was like, this is brilliant. You've, you know, you've done the work for me. Um, but then it's obviously I have to go and play it and I have to try and recreate that feel and, and do it how I would do it. So that was the, yeah, the start of that. But yeah, as soon as actually it was, we, when we, cause we did that with Josh Homme and he was, Josh was saying that the, the bit when it goes mixed up 
um, you know, just before the choruses, he was like, we need to hear that as many times as, as possible. So he was arranging it in a way that that part kept on coming back. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a great song. I love it. What would you yeah. say are the elements of the creative process that you guys built over Typhoons are here to stay with Royal Blood? I'm not sure. I think essentially we're a rock band and we're always going to have the riffs and the big drums. And But yeah, I'm not really sure what's going to come next. I think wherever it is, it's going to be fun and, and inspire us and make us creative, I think. But yeah, what it will be is Mike doing his thing on bass still, me still doing the drum bits, Mike still singing and yeah, just seeing what what's going to be great next. I don't know. Do you think that studio in Brighton where you built this is going to stick around for you guys? Do you think it's going to be, I think it awoken something? Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're just getting that studio set up right now, actually. And yeah, we're, we're planning on uh, having that as our HQ and being in there every day. We're so excited, man, and we can't wait nice. for the yeah. touring next year oh and all the live gosh, shows yes. that are to come. We're so, so yeah. psyched, man. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time, yes. man. It meant the world yeah. to us. Pleasure. I loved it. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 244. Special thanks to our guest, Ben Thatcher, of the band Royal Blood. At time of release, their new album, Typhoons, is available everywhere now. Music for this episode from Royal Blood. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.